The following program contains misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. It also features personalities who have been labeled far-right, semi-fascist, neo-Nazi, fringe domestic extremists holding unacceptable viewpoints. Any and all calls for justice are to be taken in the context of Minecraft, the game, as are any references to wood chippers, helicopters, or firearms. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. We do not condone illegal behavior. We do not offer financial, medical, or any other professional advice. All comments are for comedic purposes only. Views expressed within this program do not accurately reflect the views of the corporation or its sponsors. Use only as directed by medical professional. Use of this product may lead to cancer. Other known side effects may include, but are not limited to, hypothermia, heat stroke, sudden adult death syndrome, dizziness, nausea, irritability, cognitive dissonance, confusion, sudden onset dementia and Alzheimer's, winter vagina, erectile dysfunction, transphobia. See pamphlet for more details. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Consume. Obey. Hey everyone, welcome to my Friends Hate Freedom podcast. I'm Ariel, and today I'm here with Jeff Hipoff. Jeff is a freedom activist. He's very enthusiastic about being free, and he's also very knowledgeable about natural law. And this is largely what we're going to talk about today. We had a few technical difficulties throughout recording this episode, including my computer decided to restart after we had recorded for half an hour. So in this, we're just going to jump right in where we come back. Enjoy. So uh, you're really into natural law. You know a lot about it at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a big part of what I've been studying over the past year to two years, three years. Could you? Absolutely. Is there a way you could give a, a brief overview of it, like the the main pillars, or just um, summarize it as quickly as you want? Sure. Yeah. So natural law can be, uh, that's just one name for it. So it can be described and referenced to by a few names uh, throughout history that has been called karmic law, the law of cause and effect, cosmic law natural law and uh um these all are all just basically synonyms depending on who you who uses them and how they're being used but generally they are synonyms for the same uh term which is the attempt to summarize the laws that are inherent in the universe in nature that control the outcomes that we receive based on the actions we put out into the world and in particular the behavioral outcomes based on our own behavior what we put out what we receive uh, based on core moral principles and there are many principles that you can go into you can go ahead and read the kaibalion they have the seven hermetic principles from the hermetic philosophy. Uh, mentalism, gender, polarity, um, correspondence, uh, and I'm blanking on a couple of the others right now, but 
that's just seven of them. There, you can get into a lot more and a lot more granular, granularity with it. All of it really comes back to what I was just summarizing is that these laws are inherent in nature and are omnipresent whether you agree with it, whether you believe in it or not. And it does not require belief. It is an observance. It is discoverable through the scientific method, through the trivium method, through experimentation personally. And it really all boils down to the more moral you are, the less amount of negative consequence, the negative results you will see in your life. So there's equations floated out there to try to describe this. One equation is in the positive sense, the aggregate sum of moral action is directly proportional to the aggregate sum of moral freedom. Now, this applies not just to everything across the board. This only applies to those beings which are considered spiritual beings that are capable of discerning and discovering this law and have the free will ability to choose to act in accordance with it or in contradiction with it. And that is uh, the, the crux of the matter. So that's one way to describe it in the positive sense. Sum of moral, moral action equals the sum of freedom as a whole and as an individual. Those things are connected. And then in the negative sense, you can also define it. You can define it as the sum of immoral action is directly proportional to the degree of aggregate slavery, meaning that there is a desire, when you understand these laws, there is a desire to be free. If you ask anybody on the street, would you rather be a slave, whatever that means to them, or would you rather be free, whatever that means to them in their under current understanding? I would think 99.9%, .9 you have to accommodate for the extreme self-loathing individuals, 99.9% .9 of the people will say that they wish and want and desire to be free in and of themselves. However, there are the laws called natural law, called the law of cause and effect, called karmic law, that directly associate the outcome of our inputs. If we desire to be free, the only way to truly get to that state of freedom, if we really mean it when you say, I want to be free, if you're really being honest in and of yourself with others when you say that statement, you have to go and study these moral laws or be taught these moral laws in your upbringing through parenting, through your, just own, your own curiosity, your own imagination. Just the similar ways that you discover the law of gravity, laws of thermodynamics, laws of magnetism, etc. That are inherent in nature and apply to everyone the same way. So I have um, an idea that 
some of those some of those principles are sort of inherent within us, at least to some degree, and maybe to varying degrees, right? Um, but that gets very clouded by our social environment and um, the things that influence us. So it's hard to it's hard to um, keep in touch and or keep aware of where we're at or what is um, what is moral and what is not. Yeah, that is a large part of understanding the current state of society. And to get into that, to understand what is moral and what is not moral, there have been a lot of different methods to have the masses, the general populace, believe a certain thing and believe that they can determine morality for themselves. And where this agenda has been pushed out from, the individuals who have designed the agenda deeply understand these principles and natural law. And they use it for their own egotistical benefit. Now, now wait, you just, you just brought up that agenda, um, kind of out of the blue, specify the agenda. Or so the agenda what are you referring is, to when you say that? So let's say that you have very high skills in the game of chess, for example. You can say checkers, you can say monopoly, you can say whatever, but there's there's deep strategy to chess and there's variable strategies to chess to win a game of chess. If you're somebody who has never been taught how a rook, the pawn, the uh, the piece rook in chess moves. If nobody That's teaches the you those rules, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you can you can go to the bishop. That's or you can go to the pawn. Or you can go to the queen or the king. Doesn't much matter. If you don't know how the pieces move, you don't know how to play the game, and you certainly don't know how to win the game. If somebody who deeply understands this game knows that you don't deeply understand this game, they can come over and say, the bishop moves diagonally. And you're going to try to move diagonally, in this, and you're not playing the game correctly. You're not even going to understand how the pieces work. You're going to understand what they told you. You're not going to read the rule book. You're not going to inquisitive, inquisitively seek out the true nature of the game for yourself. And with this understanding, they, those with understanding and with the desire to win the game, whether they want to win it fairly or not, have pushed these falsities on the general person trying to learn the game. And that is the agenda. The agenda is to continue to hide the truth, the true nature of the game, from the general populace. That is the agenda. Right. If you know how to play the game, then you can practice the game. If you know how the pieces work, you can practice playing the game correctly in the true nature of the game, and you can get better and better and better and better and challenge and possibly beat 
the master who claimed to be the master in the beginning before you knew anything. You you have leveled the playing field or surpassed the playing field. Man, you're making me feel like I should be a better chess player for all the time that I've spent playing chess. <laughs> I am not a great chess player. I used to play as a kid with my dad. Um, I I I we we are more the the video game generation. And, yeah. Uh, chess is one of the few complex board games that I had learned. And uh, besides, like the generic ones like sorry monopoly and stuff um chess was the one i I played risk was another one that was pretty complex that i that i learned and played for days on end but yeah uh it's it's great strategy it's great fun yeah chess is the one game i play on my phone um regularly a lot yep yeah i really enjoy it but i'm not that great i just enjoy it (laughs) anyway um yeah so basically for for a regular person to try to um to to be moral um good good principles to live by would be things like um the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do to you or the non-aggression principle non-initiation of violence right correct Spot on. And there's you can you can get into a lot of nuance and other stuff from there, but those those main things don't be an asshole are kind of uh, a great starting point. Um, and I myself had a thing like many years ago where I started to realize that I was being an asshole to certain people at least and. I, it takes a real effort sometimes to not do that and to really try to live my life in a way where I, I at least did no harm. You know, that um, that Hippocratic Oath that the doctors take, I sort of took that for myself where I was like, all right, maybe I'm not even at the point of being a good person yet, but I at least need to try not to hurt people, right? And that's Absolutely. that's a good thing. That's... That, you kind of have to do that before you try to be like, you have to first stop doing evil before you start doing good, because as long as you're still doing evil, you can't really do good. Um, overall, you know, you can, you can do good things and then, then go and do something bad or whatever. But like in general, that's like, as far as the way of living your life, that that's uh, a really important step to, to get over. Yeah, that that golden rule really comes back to truly understanding that everybody has a pair of shoes. Everybody wears shoes, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand their perspective is one of the most powerful skills that you can acquire and test and practice and work on and improve and the things that i don't want to happen to me externally i don't want someone to come and assault me i don't want someone to come and lie to me i don't want someone to come and sexually assault me i don't want someone to come and steal things from me and then 
realize that I'm just another human being and that there are many human beings around the planet and they don't want that as well. And realizing that in that sense, we are all connected. We are all desiring the same things. We don't want to be transgressed upon. We don't want to have safety, security, our ability to exercise our free will stolen from us. No individual say, would you rather, would, would you want someone else to, to tell you what to do all times of the day? No. Of course not. Would you want someone to tell you what to do 50% of the day? No. Would you want someone else to tell you what to do one minute of the day or you get incarcerated via whip, whips and chains? They're going to say no. So then that's how you treat everyone else. It all, it all comes back to how you want to be treated if you truly care about yourself and recognize that that is how everyone else wants to be treated. And you don't treat them that way. Yeah. And road rage is where that becomes the most challenging thing. <laughs> road rage. <laughs> People really do personify Toyotas. <laughs> Toyotas, huh? Really? Yeah. See, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Toyotas don't run over people. People driving Toyotas run over people. <laughs> that is interesting. I really like Toyotas. Toyotas are like some of the best cars made. Sure. It's yeah. interesting. See, to me, it's usually SUVs that are like driving into my lane or something. It's it's some lady texting in an SUV or like or like weaving through traffic. That's like that's the thing that I notice the most is SUVs. Sometimes it's a small pickups, SUVs. Pickups. Yeah. It's where, the, the, it's, well. it's where a, a, a mainly stereotypically, right? Not all cases, but a girl doesn't want a car because their parents don't feel safe with her in a car because there's not a lot of, <laughs> of, uh, of crash-resistant material surrounding you. So you get a small US SUV. You don't want a big SUV because then you, you can't manage it. You're not capable, apparently. So you get a small SUV, and that's usually the the stereotype driving uh, 40 miles an hour in the left-hand lane. So yeah. is it an act of aggression for parents to get their daughter a small SUV in which <laughs> she will be a dickhead driver? <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's a gift, no. If it's, uh, if it's you must drive this car or else, then de it depends her maturity level. They they can be trying to force something upon her, but I mean she doesn't have to drive it, right? Well, thank you for giving a real answer to my completely facetious question. <laughs> <laughs> but the stereotype is true because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh so one one concept that I've had a little bit of trouble wrapping my mind around um with natural law is as one suffers, all suffer. Right. And I, on some level, I get it like on the level, sort of the more spiritual level where, um, we are all part of this one thing that, um, you know, maybe like we're all part of God, the creator, right. Or we're all part of, um, whatever this will to live, whatever <clears throat> I, I would call it God, but, um, there's, you know, there's different levels to God and different people have different conceptualizations, um, so I, it, 
to me, it sort of makes sense on that level, but it's hard to put into, like, it's hard to, um, see it played out, because some people live perfectly charmed lives and don't really suffer that much, and maybe they have their own, like, mental struggles or whatever, but they don't really hurt people, they don't really suffer, some people do hurt people and still don't suffer that much, it seems like, although, generally, I would buy into, like, the damaged people damage people kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think that's very true. So that gives me a little bit of empathy for, you know, a lot of the psychopaths who um, try to run the world because I do think that they are damaged. Um, but that doesn't mean what they're doing isn't evil and they shouldn't be stopped, right? Um but yeah, so that's that's a concept that um what's your thoughts on that? The concept of as one suffers all suffer? Yeah. Well, you can kind of test that, right? You can you can observe you can say I observe that people have done this and look into history and say what has been the result that has come from that action, whatever that is, right? So how have we gotten into the state that we are in today? And that is currently not by any means a true state of freedom. It is some degree of slavery, right? How have we gotten there? We have gotten there because people have agreed and have believed that it is the right thing to do to enforce or to take part in or to support some form of transgression against another human being. And I know you and I know me, and we don't want to live in slavery. We don't believe in government. We recognize all authority as illegitimate. However, it doesn't matter if we believe in that or we recognize that, or we know that and have learned that or not. If somebody else, let's take a cultural religion and something that is relatable to the mainstream news sources, let's say that there is an extreme jihadist who wants to uh, kill all infidels, right? Non-believers. Do you believe in their religion? I don't. The thing is, you don't have to. They can still come and act upon their belief, and you will be affected. Right. If they come and fly a plane into a building, whatever story you want to want to put in that place, have a have a car bomb. It doesn't matter whether you believe in what they did because they believe that they were doing something righteous. It doesn't matter. They still did it and you still felt the effects of it. That in and of itself shows that we are all connected, whether we believe in moral, objective moral principles or not. Hmm. There, there can be a whole community that is often into the woods that understands and recognizes natural law 
and is living in accordance with it amongst each other. And some powerful government across the world, let's call it Oceania or East Asia or Eurasia, (laughs) (laughs) they say, hey, we need your natural, we need your resources because our proletariats don't have the resources necessary to change the stories in the newspaper anymore. And we need your trees to do it because you live in this abundant society with a plethora of trees. I'm just making it up, right? It that doesn't matter whether this and community the has their of moral island. individuals agrees with or believes in what the, the, the people who are controlling Eurasia believe in or the citizens of Eurasia are supporting. They can still come over and if they have the F-16s, if they have the the spy balloons. Yeah. So I see where you... They'll come over and, see, and infringe on your on your rights. And, I see what you're you saying, harm. except I'm having trouble with... Like, how does that, as one suffers, all suffer, how does that connect to that um, idea? So take the perspective of somebody living in that, in that community in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. If they're a child and they've never had an external threat, and they've never left that community. That community is the, their entire reality. They have never been taught of anything other than that community. Right. And then one day, these spaceships come over, and they drop bombs on them. They weren't suffering, now they are. Correct. So where I'm, where I'm going with that, is the people not in that community actually see the whole picture. They see this other community living differently from them, and they recognize the whole entirety of the world, and that child only sees the reality that they are living in as this little community. Is that the full nature of the reality that they live in? Is that the full understanding of the manifestation of the the world, the 3D world that they live in? No, because there's this country over in Eurasia that's existing. Okay, so so it's sort of the ripple effect. It's uh that that suffering. Um, it's yeah, it's sort of like karma or the ripple effect that where it spreads out and it will affect other things um, or other beings, I should say, eventually. It's not um, not a direct correlation necessarily, but it is um, an overall, the more suffering there is, the more suffering there will be because it causes it. Um, or We share the reality. We share that reality. We are all existing at the same time, right. in the same reality. We share that. And you can look through history. It's an observable law. It's scientific. If people don't cause harm to others, then no one suffers. If some people has, cause has harm to some others, then some are suffering. Cause harm to others? And all are suffering at the same time. Has there been an observable time in history when people weren't causing harm to others? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. Is this a pie in the sky? Is this a utopia? Is this just some 
figment of imagination. No, I'm I'm challenging I'm challenging sort of the premise. Like yeah, you're no, saying these are we, these are hypothetical provable, questions, right? These are just but, general yeah, questions. But like that I've 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 heard people ask me, and my close friends have asked me this, and it's not. I, I tell them that their limit that their imagination is limited, has been limited, and for a good reason. And it hasn't been of their choice. They've been conditioned to limit their own imagination. And uh, it's not some pie in the sky. It it is totally achievable. There are people in the world today living as much as possible where they're at in accordance with natural law, causing no harm to another being. Absolutely. Not supporting the harm being caused by someone else. Actually, I think most people try to do that in some way. I think there's a lot of people in denial where they're sort of, I don't know, working a job that um, in some abstract way does cause harm, but they sort of shove that off, they compartmentalize that and don't think about it because they can't really deal with it and continue to support their family and blah, blah, blah. So, but I think a lot of, I think even those people probably like they would like to be good, even if they are sort of compromising in a way that they won't even admit to themselves. Right. Mm, Right. You see what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people want to live in accordance with the basic principle of, um, do unto others as you would have them do to you or, um, don't initiate aggression, but they don't recognize maybe like, I mean, all of us have some kind of compromise, you know, we, um, we consume products that are toxic, even if, I mean, not necessarily into our bodies, although we do that too, I'm sure all of us, but we also buy products, you know, plastic, plastic's toxic. We support those industries, blah, 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 blah. It can go on forever. Right. So, at one point or another, you you support the system of the sales tax. There's no getting oh, around yeah. that in the Western world, right? Yeah, and and that, that sales tax then goes to what system? It's very hard to figure out. Like, is there a line between do what you got to do and um and oh, this is immoral because I'm supporting a system that I don't agree with. So I mean, it's 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 the the conclusion to all of that, right? So after you have the knowledge of natural law, after you gain all this stuff, you have the understanding of it. When it comes to the rhetoric portion of the trivium with natural law in particular, meaning the laws that govern human behavior, deciding how you will behave because you have the free will ability to decide how to behave. It is it is boiled down to doing the best you can with where you have, where you're at. That is all anybody who is at the level of understanding and the level of knowledge of the teachers of natural law and those who have studied natural law can ask of anyone else. Do the best you can with where you're at, with what you have, and always strive for more. That's all you can ask. Yeah. That's all you've done yourself. You've always just continually right. tried yep. to improve yourself, gain more knowledge, 
correlate the different understandings, recognize the new patterns with the new information, connect the dots, and then express that through your actions solely without anyone else being involved. And then also with your words and your speech that affect others and the actions that when you interact with others, making sure you're still in alignment with your understanding of natural law of true objective morality transgressions. So it's doing yeah. the best you can. Nobody, yeah. nobody's yeah. going to say, cut it off cold turkey right now. Or else. You can't cut it all off or you probably die. <laughs> Most people don't have the, um, the means of sustenance to just completely stop. Right? Well, you, everybody, it is my, so I really don't have any beliefs in any type of external system or external philosophy. It is a hard, it is a hardcore evaluation and discernment of the knowledge that I can study, the knowledge and understandings that other people have come into. And taking all of that in from all the different perspectives and different viewpoints and truly doing my absolute best to decipher what is true. And it all comes back to how should I live? Coming out of college, it I had asked myself, okay, now I'm having money come in. I have a full-time job, first time ever, and where I'm not paying a college with tuition and I'm not having money going out more than it's coming in, what do I do with money? So you go down that rabbit hole. Should I do this? Should I do that? So you you take in all these different perspectives because there's a million economists out there, right? From all different viewpoints. Then you come to what is the best for me? If you truly care about yourself, are you going to go and, and spend everything on uh, like the people that win the lottery, right? They, a lot of people who win the lottery are are back to the same economic status in 10 to 20 years from where they were before they won the lottery because they don't know what to do with the money. Yeah. Because they didn't care or Oftentimes enough. it's worse. Yeah. yeah. They get addicted and just get used sports, to that. Sports lax, stars. Yeah, they yeah. get used to that lifestyle of not having to do shit and then they completely lose all, all, all ability to actually... Um, function for themselves because they're just buying everything until it runs out or gambling more. Yeah. So when you fully recognize that you have the free will to do whatever the fuck you want, as even you, you have the ability to kill someone else. You absolutely do. You can walk down the street and kill somebody. You have that ability. You have a choice to make there. The thing that dictates that choice is how do you want to live? Do you want to go around killing others or do you not want to go around killing others? And really it boils down to, it's a great analogy to think things in terms of if there were only you and your next door neighbor on the planet Earth, what would you want that neighbor to do to you? How would you want to interact with that neighbor? Yeah. Would you want the neighbor to come over and take some of your stuff at gunpoint, for example? Absolutely not. Nobody would say yes to that. 
Nobody would say, come over and, and take my things. Nobody would say, come over and, and use me and my body as however sexually you want. Come over and encroach on I what mean, I some have claimed would and say used that as my property. About the sexually, sure. th- you know. <laughs> sure. That's where, that's where the, 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 uh, the stipulation where I say 99.9%. <laughs> because there are some people so damaged, whether it's genetic or conditioned, to be in a state of, of deep and utter self-loathing where they have absolutely no care of what happens to them physically or spiritually. Those people exist, for sure, to your point. That's an interesting that is, way of looking at it, That is not it, though, the person huh? who cares about themselves. And the question is, how much do you care about yourself? That is the, uh, to me, that is the ultimate question to ask internally when no one else is there. No one else is there to hear it. Just ask it inside your own head. What about, how much um, do you care about yourself? How much do you care about others, like the ones in your life? Well, when you come, if you care about yourself to a high level, you will care about others in the same level. You will, you will understand that caring about yourself is caring about others. And it can't work any other way. Hmm. Going back to the principle of correspondence, as within, so without, as above, so below. It is impossible to show others care while you're sitting on the couch eating McDonald's every night, watching the same hot tub time machine over and over and over. <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. <laughs> I was going to say Idiocracy, but that actually might teach you something. That's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you, you, don't, you don't care about yourself. You're smoking cigarettes. You're not exercising. You're not in shape. You don't care about yourself. And how can you possibly care about others? Okay, yeah. So yourself? you're you're basically saying the put your own oxygen mask on before you put your spouse's on because that's the only way you're gonna survive, kind of thing. Like sure. you you can't help others if you don't help yourself, sort of thing. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's okay. many ways to express that. I I've heard actually Catherine Austin Fitz reference a quote. I forget who she references, but there's a quote. To be a hero, first you must survive, right? So if you're this altruistic, ultra-altruistic being, and all you want is the betterment of everyone else, however, your own health, your own well-being is on the negative receiving end, is, is being detrimented by your altruism, eventually you're not going to be able to be altruistic. Eventually, you're just going to whittle away a lot sooner than you should be. You're not going to have the ability to take care of anyone else. So it's like if you're, if you're sick and, and uh, on deathbed and you have an elderly parent who's also sick and, and on their deathbed and you need to, someone needs to be able to take care of them. Hey there. Oh, there we go. Hey there. I can hear you now. I just finished up trying to explain um, how it's how we're how we're all connected in that sense. I think that that was your question, right? Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I think we've broken that down pretty far, um, and yeah, it's a hard 
it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, but at the same time, it's really simple. Like, we are all connected, and what we do does affect others, you know? Um, it's, it's hard to imagine how it affects everyone else. It, it obviously doesn't all at the same time, but at the same time, it, it does make the future better. Like your actions can make the future or will, I should say, not can, but will make the, the future better or worse for other people based on what you do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can look at case studies, you can study history where societies have been completely, almost completely in contradiction to objective morality and have just been transgression after transgression. And what has that resulted in? Weimar Germany was Weimar Germany, Nazi Germany, Mussolini, Italy. Yeah. You can look in, in China, you can look in, uh, parts of Japan in their history, feudalism in general. Well, and, and even just the obvious, like Rome, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Rome yeah. and Greece both became super, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Lascivious, I guess, or sure. just indulgent. Um, sure. and, and that was based on, uh, a very, forceful hierarchy sure uh, and uh and clearly that was unsuns- unsustainable um and then you can look at the the united states up until a certain point yeah you can look at the progress probably the, the best human example really progress the efficiency of which things were improving for the, everybody's quality of life Pretty much on an exponential level, it's, cert- it's certainly the industrial level revolution in the early days, 1880s to the 1920s, maybe early 1920s at, at best. That that 30, 40, 50 year period, incredible amount of progress was made. Yeah. And that was when the virtually the least amount of transgressions were being conducted. There's a lot of voluntary action going on then. It was after the Emancipation Proclamation and before the Federal Reserve. Yeah, and even before then, you know, like <clears throat> there was so much land that people were just exploring and and sure. finding their own ways, you know, like talk about freedom. <laughs> talk about sure. like in in the days of William Penn being able to just say, hey, Here's like this 200 mile by five or 400 mile piece of land and I claim it. (laughs) Right? It's wild. Yeah. Imagine trying to do that today. Yeah. When everything has been claimed. Right. I mean, obviously there was a, there was already people living on that land, but, but it was open enough that you could kind of do what you wanted. Um, I recently read a book about the people in the mountains of West Virginia and mm. oh man, they live like, it's weird cause they sort of, they, they had the most free life, but they also sort of imprisoned themselves because they were living in the mountains. They were stilling. They had lots of apple trees, which is great. And 
it wasn't because it was the mountains. It wasn't great for <clears throat> farming, right? Right. So they could do whatever they want, and that consisted largely of partying and selling liquor and shooting each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like their lifestyle until um, in the book, there was a minister who like converted these people and stuff, um, which is it's, it's a pretty inspiring story. But uh, there's also the whole industrialization aspect, which when the mines come in, that becomes a pretty dark story too. Um, Mm -hmm. those, those mining unions and, um, or not even the, when the unions started out, they were trying to stick up for the people sort of unlike now. (laughs) Um, but like, it's amazing. Um, the, the amount of what to us would be objective slavery that these people were willing to put up with because they didn't know better. Sure. Like they just lived where they lived and all of a sudden the best paying job was a mine and you go and you work like a slave. You don't get paid shit. You get, and they literally had guards around the neighborhoods and stuff, keeping people from leaving. (laughs) And this is back, I guess it would be in the 1800s, you know? Um, It's a, it's wild. It, it makes you realize that things can get a lot worse. People will put up with a lot of, a lot of hardship before they actually rebel. Yeah. And they do actually rebel at some point, but man, like as bad as things have gotten within the last few years, um, with all this COVID shit and everything, they could get a lot worse before it actually wakes people up. And that's disturbing. Yeah, I think the if I'm remembering the the figure correctly, the stamp tax back in the 1700s pre-revolution in the colonies, I think it was like a 2.9% increase in stamps. Okay. And that is what largely propelled people to rebel against their their quote-unquote government. Huh. That's interesting. That's all the stamp tax really was. Because they had uh, they had taxes on stamps prior to that, but it was the increase of the new stamp tax act, the stamp act. That was an increase on the existing t- tax. So I'm I'm curious to know like what else might have been going on around that. Because as I've been learning some revisionist history, <laughs> a lot of it seems like like with the Boston Tea Party. There was a lot more going on around that than just the tax on tea. It wasn't just the tax on tea, right? There was a lot more, and there were agitators. You know, there were people who were just, like, what the CIA does now with color revolutions. Mm -hmm. There were people doing that kind of stuff back then, just, like, agitating people and getting them riled up to, like, to rebel against whatever. It didn't matter what it was exactly. But yeah, I mean, the fact that you could do that with such a little thing, I guess, like, it's big. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, who were the first presidents of the United States? The same people who led the rebellion, the revolution. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the revolution, I should say. Yeah. I shouldn't say they, the they revolution. They definitely capitalized on it. Put it that way. Correct. Yeah. So it, I, I, my favorite book in the world that I've ever read is called The Mainspring of Human Progress. And it goes back into old world times as far as the author was knowledgeable at the time of writing. And it comes all the way through modern day times, meaning the last three to 500 years, the Magna Carta, etc., the Declaration of Independence, constitutional um, republics. Hey, what was it called again? These I'm taking different notes. societies. Sorry. <laughs> What's that? What was it called again? The mainspring of... The mainspring of human progress. And what he called the first attempt, and he goes into the second attempt, and he goes into the third attempt. By it's uh, The author is Henry Grady Weaver. He calls these things attempts. I think the first attempt was the Magna Carta that he references. The third, uh, the second attempt, I forget exactly what he referenced. It might have been the Magna Carta that I'm forgetting the first. But the third attempt is the American Revolution. And he doesn't call it the third solution. It's the third attempt at, at a society of freedom. The third attempt of the collective action of a large group of people in a society to, to live in freedom. And the conclusion of the book, what is the mainspring of human progress? is free individual will so long as you don't transgress, don't act in violence and cause harm to any other being. That is his conclusion at the, at the end of the book. That is the secret. Yeah. Natural law without saying natural law. Right. Um, but he calls the revolution an attempt because it, he, he wrote this in 1949 because he saw what it came into, what it turned into at that time with the first world war with the second right. world war because it was an, the, an attempt to have no rulers but immediately there were rulers sure if you this read is, the first okay, paragraph so this isn't of this the declaration up, this actually brings up oh go ahead with the first paragraph of yeah if you read the first paragraph of the declaration of independence that is the only thing that i agree with the revolutionaries on after that it goes downhill because they start referencing government. In okay, the first yeah. paragraph, they reference natural law. Hmm. They reference it. That everyone is an equal. They are all subject, whether they like it or not, to the laws of nature. And they have the choice. And these people chose, the ones who wrote, the ones who fought, they chose to try to quell those who would claim authority over them. They right. chose to fight against those people who tried to claim authority over them in a vision where they lived in a, in a state that is closer to a, a state of freedom. Now, a lot of their understanding was, was short of the, of the actual true nature of a state of freedom. They still enacted a government. They still enacted authority. In a lesser extent, correct. But that does come back to the equation, either in the positive or negative sense, the summation of immorality, the summation of immoral action, the sum of 
action that causes harm to other beings is directly proportional to the degree or the level of slavery that is then received by that society. They just had less immoral actions taking place than King George, King James, King Elizabeth, King Queen Elizabeth, King whatever before that. All throughout the societies, through the different monarchies in France, in Germany, in England, in Italy, they finally recognized that was illegitimate and that they wanted more people in control other than just one person. Step in the right direction and attempt, going back to the book, right. an attempt. But it's still, nonetheless, an attempt, not a solution, not the solution. It's just the next step in progress. And yeah, so I've, what, I've it, what did it there's... take to them to get there? It took them... The, the 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 British housing soldiers, forcing people to support and feed and house soldiers in their own homes. That was a big deal to a lot of people. That's understated oh, yeah. by most historians. <clears throat> like, you must house this person who is enslaving you or <laughs> else. That's Man. a big deal. Can you imagine today? Dude. Can you imagine if you went to a, a Democrat today and saying, you must house a MAGA supporter wearing a Trump hat 24-7 <laughs> or else. They would be furious. And in the same light, if you went to a MAGA supporter, you say, you must house Hunter Biden while he is being prosecuted <laughs> or else you go to jail. They would be furious. Or Hillary Clinton's granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to put in there. They would be furious. And that was the level of fury that spelled the, re the revolution that, that spewed Think into the revolution. If I were put in that situation, <laughs> I would tell that person, you can either stay here and I'll kill you in your sleep, or you can leave now. <laughs> Something yeah, like that. Don't, don't step foot or else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't trespass or else. Like, yeah. That, that is what it, it comes It ain't back happening, to, right? motherfucker. <laughs> The people involved in the revolution, and I'm talking about the foot soldiers of the foot soldiers of the militia spread throughout the colonies. The guys who you never know the names of who died in Valley Forge, which is less than 10 miles from where I'm, I'm speaking. Those people had to make a choice. What is my line in the sand? When will I pick up my musket and say no? I will not support you. I will not submit to you trying to in, engage in things that I know I have the right to do over me. Trying right. to prevent me from, from exercising my own free will. They had to individually make a decision to I am compelled enough. I have this level of understanding that I am free that I care about myself and my family and my children and my neighbor's kids and his kids after that to say, I don't want them to live in this world the way it is currently. And I'm going to change it one way or another, whether I die trying or not. They had to make that choice, whether that was dying yeah. of frostbite in Valley Forge or up in New York, staying behind while the rest of the Continental Army fled. 
they had to make that choice whether they were willing to accept that or not, willing to fight for that or not. They had to make that choice. They didn't have to. They could have been a turncoat just as the same as anyone else decided to be a turncoat. They could have just been a neutral and be like, nope, I don't want any involvement of that. Whatever happens, happens. Whether whatever whatever king comes after King George or whatever president comes after Washington, they don't, I don't want to get involved. I don't care. But the people who fought actually cared. They cared enough not to want to live, first and foremost, themselves in the state of slavery where a king, where a group of rulers, where thousands of people who claim to be government forced their rule upon them. They said no more. They said no. Yeah. And they fought with their lives. And it is, a, it is a hard question. When you study that, what would you have done? Really deeply think about that. that there's no quick yeah. answer there. I mean, unless honestly, you thought that through. The I'm not part of this is pretty appealing, right? Like, I'm just going to try to do my own thing. Sure. Right? Sure. That, is, that comes um, back to your earlier question, right? How are we all connected? If if somebody said in that in that in in the in the colonies, I want no part of this. I'm not a part of it. Whatever. And let's say the the Revolutionary Army lost, Washington's army lost, and King George died, and his son came up, and his name was Adolf Hitler, and you happen to believe in the Jewish religion. Did that not affect you? Yeah. Just, obviously, we're making this fantasy story up. <laughs> but of course it affected you. You said, oh, I have no part of it. I'm not getting involved. You are a part of it. Right. You are involved first, whether you choose to be or not. First they came for the Jews or first they came for the whoever it was and then they came for everyone else and no one was left to speak for me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You speak for you. Yeah. So, um... In the world of anarchism, which is no rulers, in an, in an ideally anarchic society, we have total ownership of our own property. We make our own rules for our own property. We can kick anyone out of our own property, right? Um, even if we don't explicitly state it, state the rules to everyone who enters our own property, we can still enforce them because like if someone really um, harms someone else or, or harms my own property, I can kick them out, whatever using force. Right. Cause I didn't initiate the in self-defense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so that makes sense on your own property. Right now in an intentional community, you make rules that apply to everyone in the community and everyone agrees, right? And maybe those rules would be more explicit to ensure harmony within the community and have a more focused common vision um, or moral compass, I guess. Um and in that situation, would you need a leader? Would you, it seems like there might be a, a free market for a leader <laughs> um, 
or a small group of leaders who would take responsibility for deciding what the rules are or the code um, to which the community members should adhere. And obviously in that situation, everyone is agreeing to adhere to these rules, right? Hey there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so following me. To, to comment on that, do you, do you have to make a law? Do you have to write in legislation? Does it have to be voted upon and passed into, quote, law? in any form of government that if you walk if anyone walks off a cliff you will fall downwards towards the center of the earth no matter how far whoa 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 <laughs> i'm talking does that have to be written down hold on <laughs> i'll get to your question i'm 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 prefacing okay no the, yeah the obvious answer is no but relevance <laughs> so if i wrote a law saying you shall not m fall more than one foot if you walk off a cliff well, does that have arbitrary. any effect on you it's an arbitrary and senseless like correct one it's incorrect two the other side of that if i write into law you will fall as far as possible until right. you run into right. another Jeff, solid object. You're way too far into the metaphorical here. Let's <laughs> let's bring this back into like a real life situation. Like say you're trying to put together an intentional community of like 20 or 30 people, right? So and correct. yes, I I follow. And you want to say like you would have the freedom to do things like hey, we're not going to allow um transgenders or gays, right? And we're not gonna let anyone get married until they're 18 years old, right? And we're also gonna have um, no drug use, or maybe no drug use before you're 20 years old, or something like that, right? Um, so, like, it would make sense for people who are doing, who are building an intentional community to have certain rules that they want to adhere by. And maybe another intentional community doesn't have any of those rules. That's fine. Whatever. But this intentional community, because it's voluntary, they can make those rules. And everyone who initially signs on um, kind of commits to those rules, right? Sure. So what if somebody. So what if you say, uh, what if you agree to this, right? You say you are 19 years old and you say, I will not, I sign a contract. I will not use cannabis until I'm 20 years old. That's kind of fitting in your example, right? That could be an example sure, yeah. of an yeah, intentional community would... rule. Yeah. And then what if you say, what if you then go ahead, sign this contract and then you use cannabis the next week? Somebody finds out they use cannabis. Right. They then throw you in a jail cell because that was the agreed upon punishment. That would that be up that would be a very severe punishment. <laughs> but if that's the, what that person agreed to explicitly, then I mean, I guess that's 
a weird situation, but they agreed to it, right? Um, if so, who did they harm? They agreed to that situation. They they, they harmed themselves. They specifically signed something that said, "Hey." Yeah, you're right. It's not an act of aggression at all. The other people putting them in a did, jail cell is the act of aggression. But they did say that they would adhere to certain rules and they didn't, right? Okay, so... But what makes you think you have the right to kidnap that person, or let's not use the word kidnap, to man, you're coerce taking... that person into walking into the jail cell? This is this is interesting because I was going to make a scaled sort of argument where what applies to my own house, like if I, I'm thinking like you could kick that person out of the community rather than put them in a jail cell, <laughs> right? <laughs> Say, hey, you violated the rules, you, maybe there's a st- three strike thing or something, but... Like, if you continually violate them, then you're gone. You know, you you gotta leave. Well, if they're an honest person, they'll that honor would make, their agreement. That sure. would, right. That would make sense. Well, and sure. it doesn't even have to be an honest person. Like you have to you have to have an idea of how to deal with people who aren't honest too. Right. How do you deal with someone who's not honest? Say say someone comes in there and starts swindling everybody. What if you didn't? Well, who even... agreed to the swindle? You did. You you partook in it. Um. What makes the swindle? Maybe, maybe not if you successful. didn't know. That's theft, right? I'm thinking of theft. Like swindling and theft are pretty. So I I know if somebody's going to come into my house and try to steal the uh, the salt shaker on my table, <laughs> right? But mm-hmm. if somebody tries to convince me to give them $20 and they say that they're, they're going to three weeks down the road, give me $40 and they never come back with $40. I voluntarily gave them $20. They didn't steal that. You have, I you voluntarily have partook in that, in that action in that agreement. Touche. You have a point. I, I, I concede that <laughs> you have the free will but ability to like, to, you, you, you have that the free mean, will. That doesn't mean that swindling isn't a predatory action. Like, that is kind of an act of aggression. Sure. It is, you will it is negatively stealing. feel the consequence that you yeah. personally, who no, are it doing is stealing. the lying, it, who that's are kind doing of how taxation works, really. Like, it is theft, yeah. but most people do it voluntarily, me included, because it's how, how we're, like, conditioned to do it. No, you, you don't steal from people. If you, if if let's just say you don't take any subsidiary, any benefits from the government, you don't accept any of that. Like for example, my previous employer, my previous job mm-hmm. in 2020, we had a couple weeks of furlough because of the lockdown, right? Quote unquote lockdown because of COVID, whatever that means. I had the option to claim unemployment for two weeks when I was temporarily laid off. Right. I refused all of my other coworkers. Every single one was like, oh, I can get this money from the government and they can subsidize a portion of my typical income. But where does that come from? I, I did not partake in that. That comes from 
someone else's pocket. You did not earn that money. You stole that money. Whether it was stolen from you in the past or not, that money was stolen. That the, Those resources, the fruit of your labor, was stolen at some point. Yeah. And to accept it That's is an interesting to engage thing, in the theft to some degree. My dad's a boomer, and he's on Social Security now that he's retired. Yeah. And... He he did pay all that in. Like he paid a shitload of taxes and a shitload of social security for his entire career. So there is an entitlement, sort of, but it's also coming from us and future generations, not from his money because they literally just spent it right away. (laughs) Yeah, but did he do so voluntarily or did he do so under coercion? Under coercion. Right. So it was immoral action. Right. Yeah. So what are you saying? Did you take the unemployment because it was taken from you under coercion? Absolutely not. I will not participate in any percent in coercion so long as I can help it. Do you take, I do my best. Do you take a tax rebate? A tax return, I mean? I do. That so a tax return is different how is it, than how is it different than social security. So uh, most people, if they have a W two, their employer you you agree to have your employer estimate the amount of taxes to take out per paycheck. Yeah, your tax rebate is a correction, whether above or below their estimation of the actual amount you should have paid or quote needed to pay or quote the the arbitrary amount that you're told to pay so it's not that you're taking extra money whether it's a positive number and it's not that you're giving more money in a negative number it is just the miscalculation of what they should have been deducting from your paycheck bi-weekly or all weekly. Right. Technically, you're which right. Which is all arbitrary, which is all theft nonetheless. But, yeah. And let me tell you something. Over my career, I've probably I've definitely paid over $100,000 in taxes. Mm-hmm. And pr- maybe going on $200,000. Like I haven't I don't have an exact accounting, but as far as I'm concerned, as long as I can get that shit back, I'll take it. Right? Because I put that in. Like, that's money that I earned and they're giving back to me. Now, what you're saying is that's not actually coming from the money that I put in because that was spent on murder. <laughs> you did not choose to put that in. No, I didn't. It was under duress. But it was under coercion. Does it, does it really matter in what like under what technicality I take it back? Like if I'm taking it back under unemployment versus tax returns, what's the real difference? I mean, that that is a good question, right? And people say that's a good question. They preface their answer when they are trying to formulate their answer and I'm trying to formulate mine. (laughs) (laughs) Few people will admit that. I mean, like, I I can't hold it against my dad for doing the thing that his entire 
fucking career told him he should do, you know? So, but right. I do yeah. also understand that it's not, I feel that it's not your money that you put in there. It's my money. And if I ever have kids or grandkids, whatever, it's like, it's the future generation's money that you're actually getting. It's not like the money that you put in. Cause that was spent. It was spent on murder and genocide. Like, you know, all the and hookers and blow and blah 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 blah. <laughs> and is it is it accommodated for inflation, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Um are you actually receiving the same amount that you that was stolen from you or you're receiving less? So however, right? You participate your participation in the system. I participate in the system. I recognize that I commit wrongdoing. Yeah, me I too. do that. Me too. Yep. The first step to change is to really, truly reflect upon your action and respect yourself, which means to look again at yourself and come to a honest conclusion of what your current state is. And I currently contribute it to the system. I currently contribute to it. And I feel horrible about it. And I am fearful. I am afraid if I stop that my quality of life, that my well-being will be negatively impacted to a degree that I cannot handle. And that is the truly honest answer anyone can give who still collects a W-2 and has the same understanding that I have. I am afraid. I, I, I am, my ego is not in the way of admitting that I am afraid of what will happen to me if I quit my job and try to only partake in transactions in receipt of, of, of accurate reward for the labor and the value that I put out without any coercion involved. I am afraid that what I receive in return will degrade my well-being to a degree that I cannot handle, that I cannot actually live in. I am afraid of that. Yeah. That is a deep-seated fear based on my conditional upbringing. Well, it's, and I, it's also I work based every on day to overcome the environment that. that you actually live in. Right. I don't believe in government. You don't believe in government. I don't believe in authority. You don't believe in authority. I don't believe in taxation. You don't believe in taxation. However, we are subjected to it nonetheless. Yeah. So are we not yeah. all connected, whether we believe we are or not? So whether here's our individual beliefs is that fact or not. Of course we are. Yeah. We live in the same time together. Yeah. We, we yeah. can come in contact with each other at any given time. Sure. It's difficult. It is difficult to overcome fear. If I had the knowledge, right? So, so I've, I've explained this in my podcast. The only way to overcome fear truly is by acquiring more knowledge in relation to that fear. If you are afraid of snakes and you truly desire to overcome that fear, what are you going to do? You're going to study snake behavior like you're afraid of a snake bite or whatever right 
you're going to study what causes snake bites. Well, they're protective of their territory. They're protective of their nest. They don't like to be surprised out of nowhere. If they're hungry, they're going to try and, and seek out the, uh, the thermal, um, the, the thermal um, layout of some other flesh, some other being, a rat, for example. Find a mammal. Right. They're going to strike out. Blood. <laughs> However, if you're, if you're truly willing to get over your fear of that, you're going to understand snake behavior. You're going to study snake behavior and you're going to become more knowledgeable and be like, oh, snakes behave like this. If I don't do this to a snake, I'm not going to get harmed. I am no longer afraid of snakes if I do this behavior. If I stick my hand where a snake, rattlesnake is rattling its tail and I stick my hand right next to its mouth, yeah, you should be afraid it's going to bite you. That's a legitimate fear. But if you then, if you hear a rattle and you walk away from it, you shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. Snake handlers aren't afraid of snakes because they deeply understand snakes. Some people are afraid of pit bulls. But if you watch the show Pit Bulls and Parolees, which my grandmother watches, that, that dog handler is extensively experienced in handling and raising pit bulls. They aren't afraid of the stray pit bull who looks like they have rabies or whatnot. They go right up to the dog. They know how to handle it because they understand it. They have the Dude. knowledge to handle the situation are some of the awesomest dogs i've ever known <laughs> yeah yeah like they're so playful and just like they're goofy yeah my my dog's yeah. part pit bull we think and uh yeah no it's like so energetic and playful and just like it's great <laughs> yeah, anyway it it is goofy they are they are goofy goofy dogs yeah i so one thing, but, I've been... it, but it comes to back to where I was saying I'm afraid of not participating in the system. That's a deep-seated fear. I recognize the system is immoral. I recognize I partake in the system. Therefore, I am committing an immoral action. Yeah. The first step to changing that action, any action, is to recognize that you are actually a part of that. And I do. And I have things in, in the works that I'm planning on to help myself overcome that fear of not having the resources in the world we live in to to sustain the level of well-being that I wish to sustain for myself and I'm just I'm trying to get out I'm trying to not partake I'm trying to stop doing the immoral action the immoral system that I currently partake in I'm trying to get out every day I think about that yeah and that's all you can ask. Do your best to stop. Do your best to stop. Not do your best to do something else. Do your best to stop doing the certain actions. It is all about just ceasing what is currently taking place. Because it's one thing that if we were in a 100% state of slavery, and literally every single action that you do is a transgression against another, is causing harm to another. I don't think that world exists. However, the, the farther you go, the higher percentage of your actions correlate with that. But what I'm getting at is to understand what freedom is, and anything less than freedom is a percentage of slavery. To get to that state of freedom, you just stop doing the actions that result in harm, that result in slavery. 
That is the solution. Just to stop doing things that you're currently doing. Not to do new things. Yes, to change, but, but just to stop doing the things that you're currently doing. What do you mean? If people like, understood you, you that. You keep saying stop doing the things you're currently doing. What specifically are you talking about? So you under, anything that causes harm to another being. Right. Rape, assault, trespass, <laughs> murder. Well, we're certainly. Coercion, I don't think either of you theft. or me are, is doing that. Well, we we are paying. We are supporting we, the people who are doing. Yes, this. we are. Yeah, that's, and that makes us morally culpable to a degree. To a degree, yes. We are not completely innocent. Yep, I agree. Yeah. We the first step to change is to recognize that fact. Yeah, and, and to care about ourselves and others enough. Why to I'm change getting chickens this that. year. <laughs> And building a green chickens, you said. Yeah. Okay. You know what, man? We're in town, but uh, someone else in town has chickens. We discovered, and so we're gonna go for it. <laughs> Just fucking do and it. If nobody else had chickens, would you do it? Probably not. Like we were going, we were leaning towards rabbits before, because mm-hmm. no roosters, no, you know, um, but. Aaron was like, yeah, I'm not big on eating rabbit meat. And I was like, well, I would eat the meat, but I'm not big on killing rabbits because they're cute and I don't really want to kill them. And um, and then right around then was the same time we discovered that there were chickens in town. And we're like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so how did you overcome that fear? What do you mean? The fear. So I asked, if, if nobody else had chickens, oh. would you get chickens? You said no. But now you said because you know yeah, that like, someone else has chickens, technically, you technically will get chickens. we're not allowed, but like it's it's one of those things. Like, hey, let's just stretch the law. And seeing that someone else is stretching the law in that specific way makes me think it, it is seeing someone else. You know, I'm I'm following. I'm not leading. I'm knowledge. following. No, yeah, it's, it's the knowledge based um, on the other person's experience. But so um, there's there's multiple ways to acquire and, knowledge. And I haven't right? talked First to hand, second hand or third hand. I'm interested in talking to these people, but I haven't talked to them yet. Mm. But uh at the same time, like I don't necessarily need to talk to them to just throw some chickens in my yard and see what happens. Like I'm not necessarily afraid of that. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that, that big of a deal either way, you know. That would be an interesting conversation if you ask them what what gave you the confidence yeah. To get yeah. to start, right? Yeah. Good point. That is They probably were similar to you where they were thinking about doing it for years or months. Yeah. And eventually they decided to. They overcame some sort of some level of fear. That'd be an interesting conversation. For sure. So here's here's something I've been uh this is sort of a awkward pivot, but I've been trying okay. to raise my frequency like sure you uh one of the last times we talked it was talking about my my album and mm-hmm. in making that album i spent so much time in like this low like doomy kind of frequency and that was like where i was living and now that i have it done and it's almost a year since I got it done. I'm like very concentrated on raising that frequency and trying to live in a more positive, um, 
mindset. So when you say raise frequency, you mean sad versus happy? Um, doom versus hope. Doom versus black hope. pill even versus if, white pill. Well, even if that doom is an accurate understanding, an accurate oh, pattern recognition of is. the current state. I, I, I believe that it is, but I also don't want to manifest that shit. Right? Mm. I don't want to just, I don't want to, like, part of me feels like by making that, I am spreading it. Right? Because it's like, there's a lot of negativity there. Mm. And that is sure. how I was feeling. It's still how I feel a lot of the time. I, I don't, like, I don't regret making that album and going through that but i also am trying to just um connect with the more hopeful side of things and <clears throat> and not get bogged down in the we're fucked side of things <laughs> you know like i i need to have um a way forward which is positive right um at, at least hopeful yeah and and this this actually is is a is a funny uh topic to break up because last night i had the second i hosted the second um documentary night that i have locally here in pa and uh someone who I met a couple times, brought a relative of theirs to last night's documentary night, and I got to speaking with this relative, and they are uh, a, a good amount knowledgeable about the world that they live in, but they do fall short in some areas, and they kind of express the same level of black pill, like, oh, well, what, what can we do? It's all just, we're at the whims of X and this and that. What hope is there? And I pointed directly at them and I said, you're the hope. You and me are the hope. That's the hope. Hmm. Spreading our knowledge is the hope. Not just hoping because you, you think the, the majority of people are are changing or you see some community here moving in the direction of freedom. It's at an individual level. If you look at the state that we're in, it's due to individual choices over and over and over and spreading and spreading and spreading. The degree of slavery we are in is the direct result of the individual's choices. Yeah. If you choose to steal, and then I choose to steal, and then my neighbor chooses to steal, and then her cousin chooses to steal, well, then we're all stealing. If we choose not to steal, then we're all not stealing. And if that's multiplied over the, the, the society we live in, the, the whole population that we live in, that determines the nature of the world we live in. That is the manifestation of the reality based on our actions. So the hope is spreading that knowledge to educate people of the difference between right and wrong 
of the actions that are right for them to do and that they are at the total discretion of their free will to do without any negative consequence and the difference between that and the actions that they have the right that they have the free will to do that result in negative consequence it is education at its core education that we have been as children largely throughout society been kept from been hidden from us again it's just knowledge to overcome the fear knowledge to overcome what hope is there well if you know that you're trying to help others and you know you have this level of understanding you're the hope it is you that's why i pointed at her she expressed a lot of knowledge to me and i said you give me hope and i didn't i didn't even know her name at the time i didn't introduce myself that way we just started talking i said you're the hope she's like you don't even know me i said i don't ha- i don't need to i know what you're saying i know i can see your understanding you're the hope i'm the hope there is a light and we are the light correct you need to be the light i wish everyone would try to be the light wherever they're at in their understanding just to be brighter to be more vibrant that is the definition of that word to be brighter a higher frequency like you said yeah beautiful beautiful and that yeah. is showing true care for yourself and at the same time true care for others because your actions are a part of the reality that others also are in experience of whether they like it or not whether they believe it or not you're a part of it you're here well that helps me feel better about some of my relationships and stuff i guess <laughs> you know like i've uh i've had a lot of Throughout the last three years, three fucking years, can you believe it? (laughs) It's fucking wild, right? Three fucking years. These relationships. No, Ariel, just 15 days. Trust me. Yeah, flatten the curve. (laughs) Um, it's, it's wild how, like, I'm, I'm friends again with these people who were like, completely off the radar and getting like they they just uh were completely even to some degree still are swallowing the uh mainstream Kool-Aid and it's um it's weird it's weird hey i cut out a part here because i'm talking about people in my personal life and don't want to do that um, so if something doesn't quite make sense, that's why. And now we're all friends again, but we don't talk about, guess what? <laughs> the vaccine. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> they all got vaxxed and boosted, and those motherfuckers got me sick. <laughs> Are you serious? They gave, me, this- they gave me a cold. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I never, even when I was exposed to COVID and stuff, I never lost my sense of smell or anything. It was always a mild cold for me. And yeah, I got it again. And and some of them showed up like 
observably sick. So it's like, mm-hmm. you motherfuckers were... You were all, like, paranoid, and you're all going out and getting your vaccines and stuff, and now you're do and you were doing it for the better good so you don't get us sick and blah 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 right of course it's it's totally like selfless and now you show up and you're coughing in my face (laughs) and we're staying in a house for the weekend (laughs) like what the fuck apparently it's over right And I, I swear to God, like, there was a bunch of people there, and the two people who were most observably sick are the two people who, in my mind, are most likely to have had boosters. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult. It is difficult. It's such a weird thing. And, and three, I didn't three bring it up. Like, I'm not going to be an asshole. Like, we, we did have some good conversations around, like, even politics and stuff. And I brought up natural law and I brought up some, you know, like, I was, I was trying to be tender, but also, like, pushing some truth, you know? And that's all I can do. I don't know. Like, I, I feel very helpless in a lot of ways. When it comes to the people around me, like my circle of influence, you know, um, that's what it is. It's not my circle of control. That's for sure. And concern is sort of, I don't know, almost irrelevant in this situation. Um, I guess I'm concerned, but I don't know, man. It's, it's so weird. It's surreal. The whole thing is surreal. Yeah, I have friends who I haven't spoken to since 2019. Since the lockdown started. I just... It's just... Our paths haven't crossed. We've just gone different directions. And yeah. it's difficult because I used to get along extremely well with these people. Until shit hit the fan. And you really saw who they were. And you you got to decide who you were. And you realize that you were different in that time. Now, I've I've heard, I've met people who have gotten shots and boosted and have come out of it and like start started to look into it and were like, oh my God, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Right. So we can't, and, I, and I've heard these people come out in that manner, which is a very vulnerable state to say in public, it's one thing to say private, I was wrong. I was fooled. I was duped. It's another thing to say in public, I got this. When you know the people around you are very much against that being the shots. And to say, I was wrong. I will not get that again. I will show more care for my, my, myself and show more discernment for myself. And I've heard, I've seen people react, oh, we are completely against anybody who got the shots. That is totally bullshit way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Are we not for freedom? That is oh, neat. Well, that, that is the core necessary foundation for everyone. And you know what? He, this brings up one of my biggest things that I think is probably the most important is we're in a battle. It's, it's a spiritual battle to save our humanity, right? If we 
if we let ourselves become the enemy, we've lost our humanity. So if we shun people just because they made a bad decision that affected themselves, mostly, like, where's our humanity? We need to have forgiveness. We need to have love for people who are suffering, right? And to say, like, I'm not going to hang out with anyone who's vaxxed, or vice versa, obviously, because <laughs> that's yeah. probably a purveying sentiment as well. Um, yeah. Like, that's not human. That's that's not humanity. That's inhuman. Like, we need to embrace the people who we love and try to find a way to go forward. And I think that's how we really defeat the enemy, is it's not by discriminating... Um, I mean, I believe in discrimination as far as discernment, but like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, I think. <laughs> um, uh, the alcohol's kicking in, I guess. Um, um, yeah, just like we need to, we need to live our lives with love, you know? And that's really, I think that's the secret. Like, if if the feds come and kill us in the middle of the night, um, have we been, have we been affecting in a positive way or a negative way? And that's something I do see in the freedom movement is people, um, getting really like, Oh, fuck these people. Fuck. Like, especially with around the trans stuff and like, it's pretty bad, right? There's a lot of predators there, but like these people are animals, bury them under the ground, blah, 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 blah. Like it gets pretty extreme and it's like, this is a real hate driven thing. And yeah, you want to defend your kids from this shit, but at the same time, don't just go bury some gullible teacher who bought into the woke shit, you know? <laughs> So this this comes from a foundation of knowledge and understanding. How does our reality come to be? How does it manifest? It is the collection of our individual actions. And the more of our the higher percentage of our actions that are moral, the better off we will be. The more actions that are immoral, the worse off we will be. That, that is what it comes down to. So to say that you shun this group or that group and you're not even going to try, you're not even going to use your, your, your ability, your infinite worth, to try to convince them to stop doing the immoral action blatantly shows that you have a lack of understanding of how the reality you live in manifests which shows that you don't care enough about yourself to figure that out. So to show yourself true care, to be engaged in healthy egotism, healthy egotism, because you you need some ego to be like, oh, I, I know other people are starving, so I'm not going to eat any food. Well, that is, that is unhealthy. You, you need to, to care about yourself first and foremost. And you need to try to convince others to care about themselves. 
and recognize that is one and the same thing and recognize the understanding of how our reality is manifested through either a moral action or moral action or a combination of the two to any certain percentage. So what you're getting to with saying that the divisiveness of this group versus that group or shunning these people or that people without even exploring the possibility that maybe you were in that state at one point to a certain degree. Oh, I certainly was. You, you were at me or you were absolutely, or, or Joe Schmo was absolutely not at the current level of understanding and care that we currently are. And it is definitely a process to go through. And you recognize that the manifestation of reality is the direct proportional sum of moral or immoral action. But you cannot force anybody else to be moral or immoral. They have to do that through their own free will. And how do they choose to do that? They choose to do that through their mind, through their knowledge, based on what they know. So it is our moral duty to care about ourselves and to try to convince others to care about themselves which is in and of itself the same thing at a high enough level. So it is all about moral education, moral education. That is what it is all about. Whether they are currently engaging in immoral activity or not. Yeah. Try your damnness to try to show them the reality of the world, the reality of their actions, what is resulting based on their actions, and to try to have them convince themselves to change as you once did that that is showing true true care to someone else to everyone else and that is the only way change manifests and that is the only way we have found ourselves in the current situation because we have not done that that has not been done across the board to the masses in a large number that has only been done for a small minority so far and that is why where we are, where we are. That's Hell what yeah, brother. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking get the word out. <laughs> All right. As I best think, as you can. I think we did it. I think this is a podcast. <laughs> it's fine with me. <laughs> I love it. I need to pee, so. <laughs> I'm good, dude, man. This is beautiful. I care enough this about you. I'll hold it in fucking, all night. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. Jeff and I were both imbibing, and I think it came through in the show a little bit. Hopefully, you don't mind that. Um, once again, Jeff's websites are gooff.com, G O A U F.com, and farmfinderpa.com. Hey.